Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. My name is Andy Spiteri, back from the dead, joined by Duminal Crossing. How are you, my friend? I missed you guys last week. I was sad I couldn't join. You didn't want me on last week, but I'm here now, and I'm pumped to be talking Metroid Prime. How's it going? Uh, you know, it's all good. You know, we tried to keep you off while we could, but, you know, we just, we just, <laughs> we weren't powerful enough. Uh, you know, the definitive ranking of Metroid Prime looming over over our heads. There was no way to keep you out, and so, yeah. uh, you know, reluctantly we bring you back on. But but in all seriousness, no, um, it's, you know, really happy you're back. Glad you're feeling somewhat better, at least. That, yeah, you know, thank you're you. Talking that you talking that you were still having some sort of lingering cough or something like that, but, you know. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that I don't sound too goofy today, but yeah, I, I, so I, I was really sick last weekend, um, which is actually funny because my ZeldaCast co-host, Allison, also was very sick last weekend, so we just managed to get sick at the exact same time, so it looked like we were, I actually canceled all my podcasts last week, so I wasn't on Omega, I wasn't on the ZeldaCast, I wasn't even on Virtual Theater, um, so I rescheduled all of them, and, uh, so yeah, so I had a lot of catching up to do this week, but I mostly feel better, yeah, I just got this, like, hack that's, uh, that's still lingering, so I'm hoping that it doesn't, you know, weasel its way into this, uh, into this show today. So uh, if if I do, I'll try and mute myself as fast as I can. But yeah, uh, no. Other than that, I feel I feel uh, pretty good. Thank you guys for covering last week. Um, I actually, you know, I haven't even had a chance to listen to the show yet. And I usually listen to the podcast like basically as soon as it's uh, as soon as it's out. So that kind of shows how uh, I how sick I was. I was coming home and just going to bed almost every night. So, but that's in the past, and we've got a bunch of exciting stuff in the future, the very near future for today, and of course. That is the return of the definitive ranking, and this time we are definitively ranking one of the best games of all time. So, spoiler, I think that these rankings are probably going to be pretty high. Is that fair? I, I expect quite a lot of fives coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and rightfully so, but I do want to say, I think I may have told this story before, but I, I just wanted to throw out a quick Metroid Prime memory uh, just because I, I missed last week and I just wanted to talk about it. But I have a uh, a very, very fond memory of Metroid Prime coming out. Um, I was a, a junior in high school when this game came out. So I was in grade 10. And um, this game came out uh, November 18th. Um, and I remember that was the first time that I ever skipped school, ever in my life. Now, I would go on to skip a lot of school in high school after this, but I'd been in high school for, you know, like two months or something like that at this point. I was 14 years old. Um, so I was just like, you know what? I'd gotten my dad to pre-buy the game for me, like at uh, Electronics Boutique. So all I had to do was go over to the mall and pick it up. And I was like, I know, I know that I shouldn't skip school, but like, I really want to play Metroid Prime. So like, What's a fella to do? So I, uh, I I skipped school. I skipped religion class, if you can believe it, actually. So because uh, I went to Catholic school, so I your skipped... parents must be so proud of you. Yeah. So I skipped religion class. I went to got Metroid Prime, and I played it up until six p.m. Because at six p.m. that Doom is when the automated calling system went out to like your house that would say like. Uh, it was a pre-recorded message. I said, like, your child has missed uh, this day of school or whatever. Please let us know if this is an attended absence or not. So at 6 o'clock, I sniped that phone. I quickly hung it back up, and I started <laughs> playing Metroid Prime for the rest of the night. And it was awesome. Had the whole scheme planned. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think um, it was a little bit later 
that I got Metroid Fusion. I think I had to wait till Christmas for that one, but eventually I got Metroid Fusion as well. And these were in the days pre-backlit screens. So like this is like yep. way back when. So um, we'll we'll talk about that uh, when we talk about Metroid Fusion, which uh, is is coming up. I know that it seems like we maybe are ignoring Metroid Fusion's 20th anniversary, but we are doing a whole slew of shows, which I'm very excited for. But uh, today it's all about Metroid Prime, baby. One of it's the prime time. It's prime time. One of the greats of all time. I um, yeah. This this game was it was one of the first games that I can like remember. Where I was so excited for, like, because when I was a when I was a kid, like my favorite games, like Ocarina of Time or Super Metroid, those had already been out and like they were already great, you know what I mean? But like I just came to them a little bit later. But with Metroid Prime, that was like the first one that I could think of that was like upcoming, where I was just like, I I gotta play this game. I'm so excited. Maybe that in Smash Bros. Melee, but definitely Metroid Prime. I was just like, wow, like. I, this is so awesome. I, I'm so excited to play this game. And, um, you know, as I'm sure you have, played it a bunch of times since and still just, like, a masterful, masterful game. Yeah, it's incredible how well the game holds up, especially because, you know, we were talking about this on the last episode, but we, we were discussing some of the uh, the Retro Studios ex-employee tweets, like stuff from Zoid and Jack Matthews, who are talking about, like, all these behind-the-scenes uh uh, going ons with the games and just it is just all of the tr- trickery and tech and technical stuff that went into making this game a reality is just yeah. nothing short of incredible seeing like all the work and the artistry that was put into it um and, and another thing worth mentioning too is like this this would be a good time to plug actually our episode about the history of retro studios but i like that studio was was a mess. It was in shambles. And so for them to like pull this rabbit out of their hat and create a game that 20 years later is still not only inherently playable, but still excellent in almost every aspect is truly... Uh, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing that they, that they pulled off with this game. Yeah, typically when you hear stories of like of this, you know, you get like a two human or a Duke Nukem Forever or yeah. stuff or Aliens Colonial Marines, stuff that's just so infamously bad that that's the only reason anybody remembers them for. But Prime is like the exact opposite end of that scale oh. where somehow 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 like this game is still, you know, ending up on like greatest games of all time lists 20 years later. Yeah. I have a funny story. So uh Back in my high school or like junior high, high school days, I was a, I went to this website called GameCubeLand.com and it was like a, like a forum or whatever. And my name was Too Human because I thought, I was like, oh, that game looks cool. I'm just, and I just picked it as my name because I was like 13 or whatever. So, uh, uh, eventually it never, it never did come out for GameCube, but eventually when it did come out, it was absolutely dreadful, which is too bad. But uh, I always I always have a soft spot for that game. But yeah, very glad that Metroid Prime did not go the way of Two Human. So we are here today to definitively rank Metroid Prime. And um, if you are new to this sub series, then first of all, you should go back and check out some of the old Metroid or uh, yeah Metroid definitive rankings that we've done. We've done Fusion. We've done Echoes. The last one we did was Samus Returns back in. March. So we have May. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, May. One of those M months. So we have uh it's been a while since we've done definitive ranking, but I'll explain the gist of it here. There are 10 categories that we have deemed essential 
to the makeup of a Metroid game. And we are going to give Metroid Prime a score out of five, with five being it is the absolute best, and one being it is dreadful. And uh, we're going to go through this list, and we are going to assign scores, explain why we're giving them the scores, and um, tally it up at the end and and see what kind of uh, overall score we come out with. So that said... I think uh, I think we're ready to just get rocking and rolling, hey? Well, you did forget uh, the one special rule that we're implementing during this episode and that anyone who gives a one or a two ranking is banned for life on the podcast <laughs> moving forward. Yeah, so. I, you know, I just don't... I don't foresee any one or two rankings in this show, if I'm going to be honest with you. So, like... For, for reference, we did a, and I don't know that I could ever do this with another game, but we did a definitive ranking on the Zelda cast where we did Ocarina of Time, and I gave it straight fives. Like, every single category was a five. I don't think that I will do that for Metroid Prime, but it's not going to be will, far I off. I don't think I will either, despite it literally being my favorite game of all yeah. time, so... Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. So, like, I, I just, I think it's going to be pretty close to as straight fives as you could possibly get. It might be the highest rated Metroid game that we ever do for this series. Who knows? Um, so let's just start off and let's get it started. Would you like to go first, Doom? Uh, sure, why not? Okay, well then, let's talk about the number one category, the category that we're going to start off with, the world and atmosphere of the game. So the vibe, the setting, the mood. Um, the world is such an important character to this franchise that uh, really nailing that is is a massive ingredient for a Metroid game. So let's get it started here, Doom. What is your score? Uh, well, shocker. We're starting it right off with an easy five right off the bat. I mean, this is, you know, and I talked about this on the last episode as well, but, you know, to use an overused word in the Triple Aims ga- game industry, Metroid Prime is the most immersed I've ever felt in a game world. And the only game that has really tapped into that since then for me has been Breath of the Wild, mm. but in its own unique way. But Metroid Prime, every every nook and cranny of that game has it has a story to tell, whether it be from your scan visor, whether it be the environmental storytelling, whether it be the music, music that's feeding off the environment itself. Everything has information to deliver the player, and when you all collect it in together, it's such a beautiful narrative mm-hmm. um, at, at its core. And it's just... And whether and whether or not you're someone that cares about that narrative or you just care about the, you know, the vibes of the experience, there's something for everyone to get out of this game regardless, whether you prioritize gameplay or story. And that to me is what's so magical about this prime game. Right. Yeah, and so the beauty of of the definitive ranking is like a lot of these categories like kind of tie in together into the other categories. So like Typically, if you have a category like world and atmosphere that's really firing on all cylinders, that also means that like your story or your art style is also firing on all cylinders. And so like it's kind of like they are tied together. So when one is doing well, it's like that old saying about a high tide raising all ships. Um, So I'm going to agree and I'm going to give this one an easy five as well. The, you know, I mean, I think that there's um, a lot of different moments that we've talked about previously that just completely like are like out of body experiences. Like the first time that you 
step off the ship in the Talon Overworld, and you've got the rain coming around you, you've got the soft Brinstar remix playing, it's just like an ethereal experience, like this world that's created, and that's replicated like several times over in the game, like up in, up in space when you're on the frigate Orpheon, and you're just looking, and you can see Ridley flying through space, it's just like, wow, this is incredible. The first time that you get into Fendrana and you can just see like the stillness and the the quietness while also you have that music playing is just like such an absolutely incredible moment. Um, and I could go on. There's a bunch of moments like that. The that, Fendrana moment in particular is so perfectly executed, like yeah. following Magmore Caverns. Like it's like you couldn't have picked like the perfect area to like go uh, to move on from after that. And, and, and it's just like it's so... It's so like ethereal. I think it was a good word, and in, in that like this planet just feels so alive. Like it, it feels like it feels like something was just here and you just missed it. Like the Chozo were just there and they're just out of reach, and but you can still see the evidence of them on this planet. And you have all of these you know organisms on this planet that make it feel truly like a, a, an actual place that functions. You have structure with the pirates. You just you have this incredible world that that feels alive and you have like a history and a lore to that world and even within like the different areas themselves you have like kind of subsequent sub areas that also make it feel like very very lived in and very just like ethereal again so this is like the world and atmosphere is kind of a broad category um but i think that it kind of shows you like when when this category is going really well, that means that typically a lot of your other categories falling behind it are also functioning at a high level. And this is, I think, the perfect example of that. So yeah, this is uh, this is an easy five for me. I'll never forget the first time that I went to Talon Four. Yeah, that moment, and again, another moment we uh, talked about in the last episode. But yeah, that moment where Samus lands on Talon Four surveys the landscape that was the moment where i became a metroid fan mm-hmm. like right there that was it yeah uh just uh an incredible world the the perfect world really like they needed they needed this so bad for the first 3d metroid especially the first 3d metroid that was a first person adventure I, they needed to get the world right and they did and they it, it seems like an impossible task almost looking back that but somehow they got it completely right you know, there's the famous shot in Super Metroid when you land on Criteria and the rain is coming. And, like, somehow they just, they managed to replicate that in a different but same way on Talon 4. So, just, uh, yeah, an, an incredible achievement, incredible world, incredible atmosphere. Um, and that, I think that that permeates throughout the whole game and, and really just sets the tone for everything that you're going to experience on your adventure. So, yeah, 2 five so well, think- far. Well, I think what's cool about Criterion Super Metroid, because there's, I mean, obviously, like, it's clearly inspired by that, that Talon 4 yeah. landing sequence, but I, what's cool about it is it's able to differentiate itself from Super Metroid. It's not just a carbon copy, whereas mm-hmm. the Super Metroid introductory sequence, it's trying to highlight, you know, kind of the stillness of the planet the planet, and kind of the, kind of the, de- the decay of everything, whereas Talon Overworld... You know, despite you know, despite all the chaos that's going around as you de- explore deeper on the planet, this is like the one safe haven of the planet where like the natural fauna is still mm-hmm. thriving despite you know the phase on corruption and all that. And it does such a beautiful job of highlighting that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Criteria feels very dark, very ominous, very uh, threatening almost. And like 
you're right. Like in, in Talon, it kind of feels like the flip side of that. Like it feels inspiring. It feels safe. It feels like just, wow. I'll, I'll look at this lush planet that is, that is, you know, it's wounded, but it's still so full of life. It's still so full of, you know, hope, I guess, for lack of a better word. So yeah, they, they did a great job nailing the intro. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's move on. We've got two five so far and I'm going to give another five right now. And that is for the art style. Um, so this is kind of a, a broad, uh, category. So we're, we're kind of talking about like the graphical presentation. We're talking about like the, you know, like for, for a Zelda game, for example, you can have different, uh, different art styles, like a Wind Waker style art. You can have like a realistic Twilight Princess style. Metroid is a little bit more consistent with its art, but I still think that there is enough variations to include this. So, um, the thing that comes to mind for me right away is like, the hyper realistic presentation of Metroid Prime. And I'm not really like a big, like super hyper realistic kind of guy when it comes to games and graphics. I, I like a little bit of stylized in my presentation, but this, I, I mean, just looks like so spectacular. The models for, for Samus look incredible. The models for Meta Ridley look incredible. The different characters, uh, like the different creature designs and stuff like that. It all just looks like, very breathtaking and i think that by trying to go for a like that realistic sense like they they really do a good job of like creating a world that feels obtainable or like feels like it this could exist somewhere in the universe um and i and i wasn't quite sure where to mention it so i'm going to mention it in this category as well but i i also think that uh while not quite an art style it's maybe an artistic choice I loved what they did with the commercial for Metroid Prime, where they have the live actor, and they have, like, they built that set, and, like, it was so cool, it made it seem like a very big deal, um, it just made, it made it seem like a, like a level above maybe where the Metroid series actually was, like, the, the investment that went into that commercial, and the, you know, the production value that went into it, so, art style, I think that the game looks spectacular, I think that the, the character models of Samus, of Ridley, of like a lot of the different models of enemies that you see. Metro Prime itself looks like spectacular. The world looks spectacular. It's it, like I just think this is a, another knockout, easy, easy five. Uh, yeah, we'll just uh, echo those same sentiments right there. An easy five, and honestly, like it's incredible that this is quote unquote the worst looking game of the trilogy, and that. You know, Prime 2, which also is on the GameCube, somehow looks even better. But even despite that, Metroid Prime 1, after 20 years, man, does this game hold up. Yeah, there, it really yeah, does. There's, there's, some, there's some occasional areas where it shows its age. There's some parts in that introductory Talon Overworld world cutscene where the camera's a bit too close to the foliage and you can see some pixel, pixelization. But, like, those are such minor complaints at the end of the day. And the fact that, you know, again, that this game looks as good as it did in 2002 is it's mind-boggling at, at the time there was nothing that even came close to what this game was doing at, yeah. at the time and you know you know we talk about you know art styles that age well and typically you know stuff like cell shaded art styles or stuff inspired by hand-drawn art styles something that's very stylized those are typically the art styles that end up aging well usually those realistic looking looking visual designs those are usually what you know, Age ends up not looking good. Yeah, especially I, I would say, especially in the next generation during the 360 and PS3 era, a lot of those games really didn't age well, in my opinion. But man, Metroid Prime, despite that, it's I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call it hyper realism. There's still a little bit of stylism and creative liberties, but it's very much 
especially mm. for a Nintendo game. Like it's by far one of the most um, leaning more towards the realism scale, I think, than a lot of their other properties. And I mean, the fact that it's still like one of the GameCube's best showcases from a graphical standpoint is just, I mean, what, what else can you say? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, I, I think that at the time, certainly this was the most like realistic game that Nintendo ever made, you know, because like before then we're talking like, yeah, there's some realistic looking parts of Zelda there, but like that's still a high fantasy setting that is very stylized or, you know, there, there are some, I guess, realistic looking parts of like, you know, Donkey Kong country, like the trees look realistic, but like, you know, it's, it's still, it's about apes and it's about, uh, Kremlins. So this game, I feel like really, really was kind of a different approach for Nintendo, which I guess makes sense because we had a different studio. So naturally you're going to have a different approach, but it, it really does look very, very incredible. And, um, it's it like it still holds up, which is actually flabbergasting because there's lots of games that came out after this that look terrible if you look at them today. Um, and like even like games that are like early PS4 games or like er, like late, late Wii, late 360 games don't have that same level of polish that that Metroid Prime does, um, which is frankly like. Almost unfathomable to think out when we're talking about like a twenty-year-old Nintendo game that really didn't rely on like a a very creative style of art in order to, you know, like trick for lack of quote unquote um, people into thinking that it looked better than than maybe it did. So it is it's actually a marvel that this game is as it like looks as good as it does and runs as well as it does. Like you're right, there are some very very minor things if you want to go like nitpicking but even in 2022 like i i played this not that long ago it looks awesome it really does it looks awesome yeah it's funny i actually went back and played the original gears of war recently um my god because because like that game for me like when that original gears of war title came out that was like the first game where it was like oh this is next gen gaming this is not something you could do on the previous consoles, but I went back and played that. My God, that game is so ugly nowadays. Mm-hmm. The remaster, the remaster is the way to go. If you're playing that game, the remaster is gorgeous, but like that original gears of war, man, those textures are really rough on that game. Performance is, is a uh, pretty inconsistent in a few areas too, but like my God, Metroid prime somehow all these years. And Andy, I know you don't care about frame rate, but I got to shout out the fact that they somehow managed to get a consistent, a target of 60 fps on that on that game which has no right to run as smoothly as it does it's it's funny to think about actually like back in back in the gamecube's day it wasn't the most powerful that was the xbox but like it was not that far off and and certainly far more powerful than the playstation 2 so it is funny to think about that like just how not even that long i mean i guess 20 years is kind of a long time ago but you know, back a couple of console generations ago, Nintendo was putting out pretty, pretty high quality, high powered hardware. Yeah, maybe we'll get back to that one day. Although, I, I mean, I, I do think maybe some people will scoff at this, but like, I, I do think that you don't necessarily always need that. Like, as long as your game does have a artistic like presentation to it, it'll be timeless. But again, that just kind of shows that once again, Metroid Prime is kind of bucking the rules that are typically, you know, Nintendo's like the Nintendo's rules that, you know, the things that Nintendo lives by. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned gears of war and I remember playing the first gears of war and hating it. 
actually, because I thought that it was fun enough to play, but the story was so lackluster and like all over the place that I was like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And this is my way of segmenting or segue into our next category, which is the story of Metroid Prime that I actually kind of went back and forth on with the score. So I might let you go first and then I'll follow up afterwards. But take it away. What do you think of the story of Metroid Prime? I am going to give this another five just because, like, if, if you if you look at the actual plot of Metroid Prime, there's not a lot going on. Like, if you, but I feel like you could do that with a lot of game stories. If you look at just the bare bones plot, I think why I would give it a five though is the way that Metroid Prime delivers its narrative and all of the details surrounding it. Because, because like at, at the end of the day, the plot is Phazon go. Phazon crashes on Talon 4. Pirates want to mine, want to mine Phazon. We have to stop pirates. And also there's another evil breeding within within the Phazon. We need to destroy it so that we can save Talon 4. It's, it's a whatever plot. But all of the lore that goes into it in the, in the Chozo struggles, how, it, again, it ties back into the environment and how the game slowly drips feeds you as much or as little of the story if you want, depending on whether or not you're interested in it. I think that's what makes it so special. And while, while I think Echoes on a narrative level, um, I, th- I think is a better story overall. I significantly prefer how Metroid Prime tells its story because because Echoes it pretty much lays out all its cards right after the tutorial sequence. You know everything that's going on. Whereas Prime, you know, even if you're doing thorough research, you're not going to fully connect the dots until about three fourths of the way through the game, and it. And it's such um, it's such a really interesting way that it keeps you invested into all this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Okay, so I was going back and forth in my head. And I was thinking originally of giving this a four. But I think I'm going to give it a five, too. And, and I think I'm going to do that not because in the traditional sense that we understand video game stories. Like, Metroid Prime is fairly, you know, you have an opening and you have an end. And you have a little bit of story at the opening and at the end. And that's pretty much it. But I think I'm giving this a five because I think that this is the way that Metroid as a series should be telling its stories. And I think it's the way that fans appreciate stories of Metroid the most, because we, I mean, we saw what just happened with Metroid dread. A lot of people were just like, Oh, there's too much exposition in the beginning, middle and end and like nothing in between. So that, that kind of style, I don't think works. Um, we, there's a lot of people with Metroid Fusion that are just like, I just want to skip all the story stuff and get to the action. So like that doesn't work either. We saw with Metroid Prime Corruption where like, oh, the game is too quote unquote linear. Like I just want to explore. So like that doesn't work either. So it's kind of like finding what does work for Metroid in terms of like delivering the perfect story. And I think Metroid Prime is that because like you said, you can go and you can understand the base narrative of the plot. You are... You know, you're following Ridley to this planet, you land on the planet, and you know that A, you have to defeat the space pirates, and B, that there is something called Phazon that is overtaking the planet, and we're going to try and save it if we can. And that's really the story for the game. But, like, if you want to, you can dig in and you can get the Chozo lore and discover, like, what is Phazon? Where did it come from? What happened when it hit? Like, what happened to the planet after it started spreading? You can dig into the pirate lore and say, like, what happened to these guys after the events of Nestroid? Like, what what happened to Ridley? Why is he back alive? What what does what does the structure of the space pirates look like? I think that's a really impressive thing that this game did. Is it made the space pirates seem like a legitimate organization rather than just like a collection of 
bad guys that you needed to defeat, right? Like imagine, imagine like Donkey Kong Prime. Like you're you're looking at like the Kremlin <laughs> logs or whatever, and like yeah, there's some structure there. So because before that, the space pirates were basically just like generic bad guys. So I love that they did that. Um, but and I think that what Metroid Prime also does, which maybe it doesn't get enough credit for with the story, is like this sets up like two extra games with arguably the series's most cinematic payoff in Metroid Prime 3. So there's a lot going on with the story. There's threads that they leave uncovered. It also had like the first post cinematic, like the little the hand poke it out, which was awesome. And like you don't see that a lot, um, if ever in the series before that. Um, it, it wasn't too overbearing like Metroid Fusion or Metroid Dread, but it, it and it wasn't it didn't tell you a story at the expense of exploration like with corruption or, or maybe you could even say Metroid 2. I just I really think that this is like the perfect way to to tell a good Metroid story that Metroid fans will like, which is like you can go and and peel back the onion as much as you want. If you just want to get right to the right to the action, right to fighting Metroid Prime, okay, great. You can do that. But if you want to learn about the Space Pirates and the history of Talon 4, you can do that as well. And there's so much just like extra stuff that just like really is there for people that want to explore and scan like, you know, that you don't have to do at all. So I was going to give it a four, but I, yeah, I'm going to give it a five. I took a film class last year and we talked about the concept of a plot versus a story. And my professor, he said that a plot is the ordered sequence of events that a character goes on in their journey. But the story is what the the film or I guess in our case the game is actually about. And that's mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I look at Prime, you know. I don't look at it from the perspective of a plot. I looked at it from from the perspective of a story as one cohesive journey. And the journey of that narrative to me is a five. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And I think that like once you kind of once you kind of realize that like, okay, we're not talking about a story that is like the same as a movie, for example, where you are told the events and you're told the plots like you have to go and find the plots for yourself once you kind of like wrap your head around that where like it's a different kind of narrative i think that it's incredibly strong so all right so we're still perfect so far but i'm gonna give up my first four on this next category doom and that is pacing and progression so you know are there any parts that really bog the player down um, is, is the game funneling you from point A to point B, not too overtly, but also, you know, not making sure that you're lost. And I think I'm going to give this game a four instead of a five. And, you know, a hallmark of the Metroid series is getting lost, is exploring, is going in and being in areas that you feel like you shouldn't. But I do think that this game does have more than a few moments where, for example, like you're, you'll be in Talon. You need to go all the way to Fendrana. Once you get to Fendrana, you need to go all the way back to Talon, and you, you're just kind of going back and forth a little bit um, more than I might like. And maybe if there was a few more extra shortcuts, that might help out. Now, this is obviously extremely nitpicky, of course, right? Like, but there is a lot of that, um, and I will say I really enjoy the artifact hunt. But there is a certain point, particularly when you get to Fendrana and you need to go to like Fendrana's edge and then you need to go to the research base where it's just like there is a lot of ground to cover and like you're going through the same kind of tunnels and rooms as you have before. Um, So I think that that docks it down for me. Otherwise, I do think that the game does a very good job of just like telling you, okay, this is 
kind of where we need to go. It, it subtly funnels you to the point that you need to go. And not so subtly, if you if you choose to have this and you are stuck, it does give you a point of interest that you can go and explore, which more often than not leads you to you know, your next expansion or whatever that you need. So I wouldn't give this a perfect mark, pretty close, because I do think that there are a few areas that uh, it, the backtracking is a little bit excessive. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I do feel like that's for the most part okay. Oh, uh, wow. Once again, I'm going to echo your sentiments. You literally used all the examples that I was going to use for my four as well. I was copying so. your notes. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. No, no, it's all good. So it's so it's actually funny. On the first, you probably don't remember this, but but I do. On the very first episode of the podcast I was on, we were talking about the um, our, our control setups for a theoretical Metroid Prime trilogy release. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned, we you know, at the end of the episode, we were talking about other stuff that we'd want to see. Uh, maybe change in the Prime Trilogy. One of the things that I mentioned uh, was the addition of a new elevator going from Talonifendrana, and you didn't like that idea. You said, no, don't change it. Don't do not do that idea. And then when you were replaying the game, that was the first thing I that I stuck out to you. And you're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, redemption. <laughs> I mean, either that, or we could just, like, enable fast traveling. Like, if, or, you know what I mean? Like, if we were to ever do... A, a, a remake or a port which does seem like it is coming we could do fast traveling i you know i don't know i feel like i don't maybe maybe at the very end of the game during the artifact hunt i think like a fast travel option yeah should, okay could be opened up but before that i would not be uh in favor of that at all but I, but i would be in favor of a connection elevator from somewhere in talon maybe the, the way that i would do it because for uh, for people that might have that might not have played this game in a while basically the sequence that we're talking about is uh, after you go into Fendrana for the first time and you get the boost ball, uh, you have to go all the way back again through Magmore Caverns to Talon 4 to get the space jump. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go through Magmore Caverns to Fendrana all the way again to get the wave beam. And after you do that, you're in Fendrana for for a bit before you know you move on. But that one sequence does stand out. And personally, what I would do uh, for that sequence is I actually don't mind having to go back through Magmore to Talon on the, on the, first, the first one. But having to do that all over again just to get back to Fendrana right after collecting just one item, that's a that's a bit it's, annoying. It's so a little think, bit of a momentum killer. What I think what I think would be good is after you collect the space jump boots, maybe um, get be able to use those space jump boots to access a door that you couldn't access previously to mm. to take an elevator that goes to Fendrana, and that can open up a new passage that you can use on the adventure from there on out. That's how I would do it. And then as for the artifacts, you know, much like you, I love the artifact hunt. But that being said, there's a few artifacts that I really wish you could collect sooner because they're just tantalizing and teasing you at the very mm-hmm. beginning. Like there's there's one in particular that I'm thinking of um, in the Space Pirate Research Facility. When you go on the – it's the place where you fight the flying pirates for the yeah, first time. And, and you can and see the ice that you need to melt, but you can't melt it yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that one re- that one's really really annoying. I wish yeah. that you know the ice could just be removed and you could just get that on your first trip. But like, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, there's not much changes that I would make, and I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I think maybe what they could do is, and I don't know if this would help necessarily with what we're talking about, but like, um, if you could, let's say that you could go to the artifact temple and you could um, warp to. Like from the artifact temple, you could warp to the room that you've collected the artifacts in. So you could kind, of, for example, like you could warp to that research station after you've got that artifact in Fedrona, or you could, you know, like go back into the one room in Magmore. I don't know if that would 
like help necessarily because you would still need to get the artifacts first. But uh, just uh, throwing throwing ideas out there. But something, uh, yeah, some kind of elevator from uh, Fendrana to to Talon would be good. And yeah, if, if you could collect artifacts a little bit earlier or like at least while you're on the way. I mean, I guess it like on one hand too. Like I don't mind because I do love exploring the planet and I do love the atmosphere of this planet. So like. It's not really that big of a deal, which is why I'm not giving this, like, a 1 or a 2 or anything like that. Like, it's still fun to traverse the world. But, um, you know, it, it would be nice if you could just be like, okay, artifact time. I'm going to quickly, like, bang, 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 get these artifacts um, and, and collect them and go for it, fight Ridley. So, Well, the cool thing about backtracking is that what makes it so fun is you're exploring new things along the way. The problem that I have with, um, you know, that Fendrana sequence that we talked about is you don't really discover very much in the terms of new things like you don't like you don't discover anything new in magmore caverns it's just to get that space jump item and then you have to go all the way back and there isn't any progress made in magmore specifically it just right. feels like it just feels like this unnecessary middleman right okay so we got a couple we got our first fours let's see if we can get back on track with the uh, the perfect score i think that we can so our next category is gameplay slash quote-unquote gimmick and, um, you know, Metroid Prime really doesn't have a gimmick beyond the fact that it's just the first 3D Metroid. So, of course, we've got the Dark World in Metroid Prime 2. We've got the ship gimmick in Metroid Prime 3. We've got the Emmys in Dread, etc., etc., etc. Metroid Prime is just a really good standard Metroid game. It doesn't really have what I would say a gimmick to it. But it does have rock-solid gameplay. And I'm going to give it a 5. I'm going to give it a 5. And yeah, I think that there could be a case if if someone were to say like I'm going to give the gameplay a four because of the tank controls, I can accept that. But I do think that it is important to put yourself in 2002 and realize that like dual analog controls weren't really they they weren't really like the industry standard yet. And I would argue that like the the um, Metroid Prime trilogy version of Metroid Prime. Essentially, you know, you have dual analog controls with the Wiimote anyways, so... But, I mean, when you when you take away the tank controls and you just look at, like... Okay, like, we put Metroid in 3D, it's a first-person shooter, we've got all of these, like, the... I guess the, one of the gimmicks could be, like, the different visors and stuff like that. I mean, that could be considered a gimmick, but, like, we've got this great gameplay idea for extracting the story and information from the world with the scanning visor... We've got, like, a lot of platforming going on. We've got a seamless transition into the Morph Ball. Like, I just, I think that there's a lot of really good, solid, simple gameplay mechanics that they were, like, that would have been very challenging for a lot of people to get from 2D to 3D, but they really just did it in such a such a seamless way that, uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't give it anything other than a 5. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement there uh, for all the reasons you listed. Although I will say, we're, when it comes to the... When it comes to the tank controls, I actually think these are some of the best tank controls ever implemented. Obviously, I would much rather prefer dual analog, obviously. And, you know, when I go back to play this game, I pretty much exclusively play the trilogy version unless I'm really curious. Yeah. But, I mean, that being said, like, even so, like, the lock-on feature is, like, such a huge help to alleviate those tank control problems. And, yes. now, obviously, obviously, I'm biased because I've been playing this game for nearly 20 years now. So, you know, I have a bit of life experience to go off of. But, you know, I think for most people... You know, it shouldn't be too much of a hurdle to jump jump into. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve there, but like once you realize that you could just like quickly use uh, aim up to the enemy and then hit L to lock on, and then you can start dashing out of the way. Like 
you know, the game is able to find this really fun rhythm to its combat mm-hmm. and, that I really enjoy. And that's just the combat. You know, we haven't even talked about all of these sick puzzles in this game and all the cool things uh, that this game does to translate the 2D items over into 3D. I mean, like, the spider, the spider ball is just absolutely miserable to use in both Metroid 2 and Samus Returns, in my opinion. But my god, it's one of the best items in the Prime Trilogy, and it all started here. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would also add that I recently played Metroid Prime, um, not the not the trilogy version, but like the, the, the OG version. So I did use tank controls for the first time in a long time. And they're fine. Like they're they they really are. They're fine. It does it takes you a second to adjust, of course, but like it doesn't take that long. And especially considering that like for anything that's like that important, you're probably gonna be locking on anyways. Like it, it really is fine. Like there's it doesn't impede anything, it doesn't hurt anything. Um so yeah, I mean the gameplay is just like so so silky smooth in this game. Um and that that really it's it's almost unbelievable that they were able to pull this off 20 years ago with a 2D series into you know first person so yeah i mean that's a it's a pretty easy 5 uh, i i would entertain arguments for maybe a 4 but i i'm not going to go there myself it's it's a 5 yeah i wouldn't fault anyone for giving it a 4 but like yeah. me personally yeah easy 5 um okay next category we got items and abilities doom i've taken the lead the last couple here uh i'll 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 let you go first so i can stop stealing what you're gonna say all right so yeah this is much like the last category this is one where you know i could totally see and understand why someone would give it a four but again i'm gonna give this another five just because while the game doesn't introduce many new abilities a lot of these old abilities are used in different ways and you know the beams at this point may as well be new abilities like even though they are the classic old school beams like aside mm-hmm. from the ice beam like the wave beam completely different than the way it's handled in 2d plasma beam completely different but they're still awesome beams in their own right and again you know i just talked about the spider ball but my god the spider ball is like in my top 10 metroid items of all time solely because of what um prime did with it um it's so cool the phase on suit which uh <laughs> phase on suit my favorite suit of all time it looks so incredibly cool um uh, even you know light suit close second but nothing will ever top that phase on suit for me i don't think and um yeah you know obviously some stuff you know had to be you know hindered back like the space jump which is just a double jump in this game mm-hmm. um a, a little unfortunate i do i do hope that uh prime four is able to do a little bit more with that but i also understand why they limited to just a double jump in this game and then also stuff like Oh my gosh, the um, the visor system, you know, the scan visor. I mean, I, I think the scan visor is one of the most brilliant tools ever created in a Metroid game. Being simultaneously a unique gameplay device and a narrative device all at the same time. Like, it's so cool. And then you also have the thermal and x-ray visors, which change up the gameplay. And again, um, just give you a whole new perspective on um, this world that just keeps growing and that's, and that's another thing. This ties back into the atmosphere that, that the more items you collect, the more alive the world becomes. And there's like this really cool synergy between the two. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think I'm going to give it a four instead of a five. And I was, I was going back and forth on this. And, and I think that I'm going to give it a four instead of a five because as you correctly point out, like um, a lot of these items are essentially new items, even though they're old items that are, you know, being reintroduced to Metroid Prime. Um, but I will say that I 
do think that a lot of the items that you get are fairly simple. Like they're fairly simple items, um, and they're like a lot of my favorite items from Metroid were not able to be transitioned over into the 3D world. So like the speed boost, the screw attack, the space jump, um, and I and I understand why they weren't able to, of course. But uh, that I I do remember just being like, oh, that's too bad. Like it would have been really cool for this. But I I think that one of the reasons why I might not go full five is because. Um, I do kind of feel like some of the items that even you do get in Metroid Prime are are like not like they they just haven't realized their full potential yet um, yet. So like the boost ball and the spider ball is a great example of that actually. Where I feel like in Metroid Prime Two they finally they clicked and they got it and it was just like what if we combine these two? And then you were doing all sorts of crazy stuff. You're shooting across or whatever. Whereas in the boost ball in this game, I feel like it is it's very fun. But it's really just used for half pipes and like, okay, that that's fine. Um, the spider ball is incredibly fun in Metroid Prime still. Like there there are a bunch of, of cool puzzles that you can do, but um, it, it just it didn't realize its full potential. I would say that about most of the beams in this or I'm sorry, the visors in this game as well, where I think the scan visor is brilliant, which is almost worth a five for that right there. Um, but I do think that the thermal visor and the x-ray visor were like uh, their their potential wasn't realized, particularly the X-ray visor. I think like I, I don't you get it late in the game. You don't use it a whole lot. It's just a few floating platforms that you find with it, so it, it's not fully realized. And the thermal visor I think was a cool idea, but I don't know again if they really they knew that they wanted to do it. They just didn't know what the best application was for it. So you end up just kind of hitting a lot of switches. Um, so and the visor looks incredible, but I uh, yeah I, I don't know if they ever like fully like realize the potential for that which is fair because like i would say the exact same thing about the echo visor and the command visor in subsequent games as well um and then yeah beyond that you just have like your standard missiles you get a couple of other beams um some suits so it was stuff that we have seen before not in the way that we've seen it in metroid prime um but yeah like really really strong items i just yeah it was it was missing just a little something to give it a five i would say so, uh, but hey, four four is still pretty good, and I agree that the Phazon suit is like so awesome. It looks awesome, and is a critical part of the story too. So uh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, literally, it's why uh, it's why we got two more sequels. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, four and a five. All right. Well, that's you know, we're still Metroid Prime is still doing pretty good here. We've only got like. Uh, we're missing a possible two points out of however many points that we have uh, put together thus far here. Let's move on to our next category, and that is the areas. And uh, there's no mistake about this one. That's a five. That's a five. I mean, um, you know, we've we've done a couple mapping Metroids on uh, areas from the Prime series. Fendrana from Frigate Orpheon... Uh, just incredible, incredible areas um, all around. Uh, like we were kind of talking about with the world earlier, like the first time that you step off in, in Talon is is a majestic experience. You know, at Fendrana is absolutely incredible. Um, Chozo Ruins is, is a, an incredible area that's full of life. It's full of like rich history of the Chozo. It very much feels like an area where Chozo lived and there was like, there was an ecosystem there. Um, Magmore Caverns, 
incredible you know this one is a rare instance where like they they reuse a track that's very iconic before but it doesn't feel overbearing so you know very very like in-depth every every area in this game is very in-depth feels distinct from each other has a, a presence to it feels like it is a legit functioning part of the planet um so yeah i mean easy five even the areas like even the weakest area in the game, which I think I would say maybe is the phase on mines, is still like absolutely incredible because it's serving a purpose. It's supposed to look a little bit dreary. It's supposed to look a little bit industrial. And and again, it's just like this massive each area like has its own sub areas to it that make it feel like just such a a lived in ecosystem. So yeah, easy five. Yeah, a lot of people, I've seen some people criticize Metroid Prime because it reuses uh, a lot of game themes, and I just inherently disagree with that significantly. Like, aside from Magmore Caverns, I really I really can't think of much else that, like, copies anything from the previous games. Like, maybe Talon Overworld, but even then, like... Even then, it cuts out pretty Brinst- quick. Like, like, Brinstar Green is, like, this very underground jungle, whereas Talon Overworld is, like... Like it's certainly it's certainly not a forest, certainly not a jungle. It's this it's you know this well, lush open greenery. Even they're they're using the Brinstar remix from the NES version, not even Super Metroid too. So like it's it's like a there's a lot of time removed. B you only hear it until I think you get the boost ball. And C it's like so totally different of a remix that it's might as well just be a, a new unrelated track. Yeah, the atmosphere is like entirely different to like what Brinstar Green is, um, and even and even Brinstar NES, I would say, even though there is a you know like you mentioned, there's a lot of elements borrowed from that, but like you know Chozo Ruins, you know that's a completely that's a completely new area type that we hadn't visited at this point. Uh, Fendrana Drifts, I guess you could technically say Metroid Fusion had um, an ice area, but even again, that was more of like a freezer on a space station, whereas this is like an actual snowed out um, location composed of not just uh, native landmarks, but also, you know, you also have the space pirate research facility, which has its own unique atmosphere to it as well. Uh, Phase on mines is completely unique. The impact crater, the artifact temple, which is technically a part of Talon overworld, but you know, I feel like that's fair to like almost call it its own unique area in and of itself because of what it offers. But yeah, like there's so there's so much diverse locations in this game, and every single one of them knock it out of the park. And, and of course, the um the friggin' Orpheon, I forgot about that too. Yeah. Like there, like this game just offers so much. Yep, I uh, I I think that's a bad faith critique. I've never heard anybody critique that, but like I I just I don't think that that's true. Like is the areas in this game are of all the categories I'm looking at. This might be like the biggest strength of Metroid Prime, and just like. It's incredible areas, which are like, you can break down those areas into sub-area. Like, Talon has the Artifact Temple. It has a down frigate. It has, like, the, the lush part of Talon Overworld. Fendrana has the edge. has a research facility. Phazon Mines has, like, the mine proper. And then the deep, the deep impart, like, impact site where, like, you have, like, the Hunter Metroids and stuff. Like, it's just, like, every area is so fleshed out and lived in and, like, expansive that, uh, yeah, I, I could say... You know, I, I could maybe have time for some critiques about Metroid Prime, but I don't know if I could have any critiques about the areas of Metroid Prime. I don't know if I'd have time for that. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is an easy, easy five. And uh, I think 
I think I, I kind of don't want to elaborate on this too much because we're going to go in depth next week. But the next area is enemies slash bosses. And I think that that is also another easy five, actually. Um, particularly the enemies portion of that. We're like, yes, there are some enemies that uh, have that existed in 2D Metroid that are recreated in 3D. But like when you're talking about going from 2D to 3D, every enemy is basically a new enemy and functions in a different way and functions in a uh, just a complete new way. And there's so much, there's so much diversity in, in the life forms on this planet. Like you have like just the, like the incredible, like the small little bugs that, that you can roll past and they splish splash on your visor. Um, which is another great gameplay element, by the way, that we didn't talk about, but like that and just the, like just the, the, the depth of creatures, like even like like the uh, the poisonous plants that just you can walk over and they kind of injure you. Like there's so much biodiversity on this planet, and everything looks awesome. The art style looks awesome, as we talked about earlier. That uh, you know, even without talking about the bosses, which we're going to talk about in depth next week, um, and they're awesome. Even without, even if you took that out, just like the enemies on this planet alone, I feel like is an easy like an easy five so i think this might be our first one where i'm gonna disagree i'm gonna give this one a four actually okay um and uh it's it's actually it's actually because of the, those bosses in, in particular because when it comes to the general enemies like i 100 agree the enemy variety um and the way they interact their attack patterns uh, the way that they're portrayed in the environment and how you know it contributes to it being lived in so awesome like i love I, I love all the enemy variety i love all the stuff that you can learn about them mm-hmm. um i love the, i love their unique behaviors like they like they genuinely like they don't feel like they're being controlled by ai for the most part maybe some of the space pirates feel like they're ai controlled but like so much of the other creatures like genuinely feel like lived in which mm-hmm. i think is so awesome the boss battles are good but i definitely do think that there's some that haven't quite aged as well in my opinion and this is one of those this is one of those areas where i think prime 2 and and even prime 3 significantly step up oh, like not I even just know. by a little bit but like massively step up what you can do with uh with boss fights in those games but um there's still um i i do think the boss fights are still good in this game just, I do think that there's room for improvement, and that's where I'm going to give it a four. But we'll talk more about that next week. We will, and I'm surprised to hear you say I think the boss fights in this game are, like, maybe not as good as Metroid Prime 3, but better than Metroid Prime 2, I'll say that. And yeah, I, Metroid, I, Prime, Metroid Prime 2, like, until Dread was, like, one of my favorite collection of boss fights, but... Well, yeah, we'll I'll, I'll agree with you there. It's no Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread, the boss fights in that game are bonkers. But, uh, yes, we are going to be ranking... All of the bosses in Metroid Prime next week, actually, which is going to be awesome. I'm I, I can't wait for that. Actually, I can't wait to do the Metroid Fusion bosses too, because I think that that's a big strength of that game too, which is going to be kind of nice. Because I feel like sometimes I kind of I sound to myself like I'm dump I dump on Metroid Fusion a lot on this show, which I, I love Metroid Fusion, so I'm excited to talk about an aspect of that game that I think is really strong. So, I don't, um, I don't think you dump dump on Fusion. It's it's like me and Samus Returns, where I have a lot more criticisms than the average user does. But at the end of the day, I still think it's a great game and that I genuinely enjoy playing. Yeah. So. Okay. Let's uh, let's go on to our next category. We only have two categories left, so we gotta we gotta bring it home here. The next category is expansions and power ups. So 
Are the expansions that are hidden throughout the world fun to get? Are they creative? Are there lots of puzzles that you could do to acquire these items? I'm curious to hear your score. Hmm. I, I think I'd, I want to give this a five. But at the same time, we did talk about some of those pacing issues from the artifact hunt in particular, which, you know, obviously very much ties into, you know, the puzzles and stuff that we're going to talk about. At the end of the day, though, I, I think I am still going to give this a five. Just okay. because I think I think as a whole, you know, I think these puzzles are really fun to solve. You know, when we talk about the artifact, when we talk about the artifact hunts in and of themselves, it's not the puzzles themselves that aren't fun to solve. It's just some of, you know, the more tedious elements of the backtracking themselves. But just looking at the raw puzzles in and of themselves, I think for the most part, a lot of them, a lot of them hold up pretty well. And so, yeah, I'm from a pure from a pure puzzle standpoint, from a pure art um, expansion collecting standpoint, because um, like I don't really remember any of you know. The tedious puzzles i just remember like the fun of like doing that crazy spider ball puzzle to get the plasma beam that's like the stuff that i remember prime okay uh, this is my lowest score that i'm giving metroid prime actually i give it a three and i'll and i'll tell you why so i am a you guys know me i love to explore and and i love to get 100 percent in all my metroid games i'm not finished with it until i have the hundo okay so in a lot of my favorite Metroid games, we're talking like some really crazy shine spark puzzles that you need to do in order to, to get the hundo or in super Metroid, you just like, for example, you need to do like a lot of like really meticulous exploring and, and really know where a lot of your expansions are going to be and like how to acquire them. And you can get them efficiently too. Um, I don't know. And to be fair, I think I would levy this criticism at, at the Metroid Prime trilogy as a whole. But I don't think that Metroid Prime has a lot of like expansions that are hidden out of the way where I'm just like, this is really fun or like this is a doozy. Like it, it took a lot of thinking in order to get this. I can think of a few. Like there's the um I believe it's in Oh, you know what? This is a Metroid Prime 2. Never mind. So I was gonna I was gonna give an example, but that's that's not even the right game. So there is that you know there is one where you get the I think it's a sunburst at the top and you have to shoot the the four corners of the room and it keeps on falling. That's pretty fun. Um, we do of course we have our famous like we got a power bomb the the glass tube which is just a proud Metroid tradition. Certified hood classic. Yeah, like which is great. I love that. But like beyond that, like there there's a room in in Fendrana in like the the far edges too where you have to shoot down a. Uh, uh, like a little iceberg that's on the top of the the ceiling and, and make it crush the ice and you can get an expansion that way. I just like, for every instance that I just mentioned, there's like 20 missiles that are just kind of like, oh, okay, uh, I need to roll under here and get it. Or like, I need to shoot this or I have to wait until I have uh, the 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 power-up that's going to blow up Bendesium in order to get behind this wall to get this power-up. So I, I do think that it's missing a couple... I don't know. I, I think it's just missing that that like fun and challenging puzzle aspect that I really gravitate towards when it comes to completing a game 100%. I think that Metroid Prime 2 has a little bit of an edge in this category because it does have like those crazy boost ball like um, spider ball puzzles. And even Metroid Prime 3 like does have some cool ones where you can use the, your command visor to get your ship in order to do whatever. Like probably the coolest uh, the coolest expansion in this game is probably in Chozo Ruins where you have the 
the hall where there's like the slot for your ice beam, plasma beam, and wave beam where you can then trigger the, the Chozo statue to open up different paths depending on which area you've opened. I just don't think that there's a lot of like expansions of Metroid Prime that are... It's not that they're not fun, but it's just like they're very standard. They're very simple in order to get. And it's not just like... You know, like in Metroid Dread, for example, like after you do some of these crazy Shine Spark puzzles, you're just, you're just like, whew, I feel awesome. I feel like so smart for being able to pull that off. With Metroid Prime, it's just kind of like, okay, um, I came back here. I was in the area. I picked up a bunch of stuff that I couldn't before. Now it's easy since I have the right power-ups to actually get it. You know what I mean? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think those are all fair criti- criticisms for sure. There, there are definitely a lot of instances where... It's not so much of a puzzle. It's just like, oh, oh yeah, I don't have the correct item yet. Right. I just need to come back here when I do so that I can unlock this theoretical door, activate the switch, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess, and, and, you know, I also agree that Prime 2 and 3, you know, do a much better job at, you know, actually, like, incorporating those those into, it's more than just a switch. It's like you actually have to do this to do a task that can unlock the item, mm-hmm. whether it's just whether it's just flicking a switch to activate the entrance or something like that. But that being said, I still think um, I, I would still give it a five for me personally. But I also understand what you're saying. An- yeah. Another puzzle, another puzzle that stands out to me that I really like um, that uses multiple abilities is the um, uh, the spider ball puzzle in Phase on Minds, where that gets you the grapple beam because it's one that you have to do multiple times throughout your trek. You have to do it the first time uh, to get the power bombs on your first trip to phase on. We're, we're talking like the ones with the blue rails, red rails, yellow rails. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, lo- I love that puzzle uh, a lot. So, yeah. And I, cause he, again, it's one that you have to do multiple times and that's not really something you see in Metroid a lot as a puzzle that has to be done more than once. Yeah. Uh, to get to different things. So I thought that was like really creative. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, like the, these expansions, like, it certainly, certainly doesn't lower the quality of the game or anything like that. It's just, it does, and I think that it doesn't have this because it was, like, the first. And, and I think that there's a lot of leeway that you can give this game for, for not having those kind of expansions. Um, but yeah, like, obviously they didn't have the ability to have the, the speed boost in this game, which is, for me, like, a, a big, I'm a big speed boost guy. Like, I love the speed boost, as I think we all oh, do. Yeah. Um, it's my favorite it's my favorite item and i assume it's yours as well yeah yeah and so like and we don't have the space jump and we don't have the screw attack and like we don't have those kind of or wall jumping for example like we don't and because it's the first game in 3d to ever do this like i think that it's just kind of i think it was a choice that it's like all right we're gonna keep it simple we're gonna keep it classic and and i think that was the right choice actually too so i'm not i don't want to i mean i guess this is a critique but it's not like, I don't understand. I think it was the right choice for them to do it. It's just, it's just like, as a consequence of that, you just don't have, the, it's not as, as, I guess, fun or maybe memorable is a better word, uh, or, or rewarding maybe is a good word I'm looking for, um, to go and sweep the board and get all your collectibles and stuff like that. But I mean, if that's the worst of Metro Prime's problems, I think we're okay. I, I definitely think that's fair because, like, you, you look at um, Super Metroid Infusion in particular, when you're doing that 100% item sweep, a lot of those puzzles, there's a lot of technicality where, like, you get something wrong, start over that puzzle yeah. again, or exit the room, reset the speed booster blocks, start over and do that again. Whereas Prime, you don't really get a lot of that just because of the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. But it's not an issue for me, though. I can totally see why that would be a criticism for you, though. Yeah, like, like I just, like, in Metroid Fusion, for example, like, I feel like... Um, you get to the end of that game and it's just like, I can't wait to, to go to sector six and like 
go flying through the air with my shine spark in order to get this power bomb or like i have to space jump and make sure that i don't touch anything or else the floor is gonna cave in and all the pitfall blocks are gonna make me have to start over or like i want to shine spark through space to get this you know power bomb that's in the restricted zone it's like there's a lot of really cool ones i can think of off the top of my head in in those games um or like even in super metroid where it's like Okay, I, I know, I feel so smart because I know that there's a, a missile expansion right here, and I know that as soon as I get it, if I drop a power bomb, boom, this statue's gonna dissolve, and there's another expansion right there. So, like, I, I feel like Metroid Prime is missing that, but again, like, I, I feel like that's okay because, you know, it, what I think their goal was to make sure that this game was as solid and, and is like an easy transition into 3d as it possibly could be and like in even in subsequent metroid games like you know we did bring back things like the like the um the screw attack or wall jumping and like it never was really good so like i think that that's probably just okay to have like your simple like just steady eddie like method of collecting missiles and expansions I so. think I think the wall jump is kind of cool. Obviously, nowhere near as cool as how the screw attack is handled in the two D games or even other M. But yeah, like, I, I think I, I was fine with at least the wall jumping compromise, especially with what they um what they did with it in Prime Three. But I, I would agree, base screw attack is significantly underwhelming. Yeah, which uh, hey, maybe they'll maybe they'll revisit that for Prime Four. Um, okay, we got one category left, and it's music. You want to go or should I? Uh, well, I, I feel like I should probably start this off. <laughs> All right. Hit it. Well, well, as a lot of you know, last week was Metroid Prime's 20th anniversary, November 18th, 2002. And to celebrate that, uh, on the 20th anniversary, which was uh, f- on Friday um, at the time of this recording, uh, you know, I released... Um, a passion project that I've been work that I uh, had in mind for about four years now. It started with a research paper that I wrote uh, for a class in 2018, and I released a video that used that as a foundation, but heavily extracted upon in where I argue that Metroid Prime is a soundtrack ahead of its time. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil how it is. If you want to watch that, you can check out OmegaMetroid.com and check out the video for yourself. Hey. It's a it's a 30 plus minute video. Uh, Andy Spateri over here makes a cameo in one of the um, in one of the quoted sections. That's right. And, I uh, messed up my quote though. <laughs> hey, we we fixed it though. We fixed it in post. That's all that matters. We yeah, we <laughs> fixed it. I I didn't fix anything, but yes, it's uh, this this might be the easiest five of the whole bunch actually. I I almost feel like a five is too low of a score to give um this. You could almost throw it's, out a six. I, yeah, I mean, like, what, let, let me ask you a question. What do you think is the worst track in this game? Um, would it be like it has to be phase on minds, right? The quote, un, the quote unquote worst track, which I'm heavily emphasizing right. in quotes. The worst track that I would give this game is probably the ambient music that specifically plays in the ammo recharge stations, which is a variant of the elevator theme. That's probably my least favorite track of the game. Okay. But, like, it's still a fine track. And, like, yeah. everything about this game, whether, you know, whether it's an intentionally melodic track or whether it is an ambient track, it, to me, is just so incredibly memorable. And it fits the game, um, which, which, again, <coughs> I described that in detail about how um, Kenji Yamamoto was able to do that. And in the 30-plus minute video, which, again, you should check it out. going to double plug that. On but, MegaMetroid.com. 
Megametroid.com. New episodes every week. The number one Metroid podcast on the web. Anyways. <laughs> but um, yeah, this game is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, because, you know, it to, to me, like when I look at um when I look at my ideal of Metroid music, I feel like everyone has their own ideals of like what a peak Metroid soundtrack. And to me, Prime One and Two is like this is like this is like the level that all of, that I measure all of the other games to. Mm. This to to me, Prime One and Two is my definition of perfect Metroid music. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's all it's all heavily influenced from Hirokazu Tanaka's original philosophies on the first game. And to me, in my opinion, this is the fully realized version of what he was trying to do on um, on the NES and the Famicom Disk System. Um, and you know we've t- you know we've talked about various tracks on mapping Metroid. You know we talked about the Talon Overworld themes and the uh, and the re- and not the wrecked ship but the down frigate theme mm-hmm. <laughs> got my getting my uh, getting my getting your wrecked ships, ships mixed up <laughs> but yeah you have that you know we talked about the phase on phase on mines you know i think both of the phase on mines themes are incredible uh, well, both, so that, you know, that that was my point actually is like I, if you were to ask me what the quote unquote worst track in metroid prime would be i, I might say it's phase on mines but that track is still awesome. Like it's still tense. It's still atmospheric. It's still like it, while you're playing, it fits the tone perfectly. Um, and, and like just like the man, like the way that they use old music, I think is very impressive. Like that Brinstar remix, uh, Magmore, the Meta Ridley theme is awesome. But like, I mean, we're talking about a game that has like Fendrana's drift. Like the Fendrana drift track is, is it was an instant classic. A second that that it was heard. Which is actually too bad because like it overshadows the also amazing Fendrana's Edge, which I would I would love to hear at any club anywhere in the world. I mean Talon Overworld, the like the the original track that plays in that game, even Chozo Ruins, which is like kind of a more subtle track maybe, um, still has like just a that's that classic twang and the the synth that we all come to associate with this game like. Uh, we we I mean we talked about on mapping Metroid we talked about the down frigate theme incredible like you like like you just go down the list and like the whole the title theme is like so pitch perfect like I if like that theme was so important I feel like to set the tone for the whole game and it nailed it but and it did it in a different way than Super Metroid did where I think it would have been easy and understandable to have like a a, a remix of that Super Metroid title theme and I think that would have been fine but like. They were like, no, let's make a piece of music that has like the same qualities, but is a completely original. Like it's just, it's so impressive. You you actually mentioned Chozo Ruins, and I actually think Chozo Ruins is like one of the coolest, like technically impressive tracks in this game. Because you know we talked about this back in Atmosphere, but it really um it feeds back in the music and the atmosphere feed back into each other as storytelling devices, and I think that Chozo Ruins is like one of the most fascinating examples mm-hmm. of this. Because there's actually four different variations of the Chozo Ruins themes. You have the entrance, the main plaza, the depths, and then after you get the morph ball, you get the main theme that plays throughout most of the area up until um, up until you get to the furnace area and you really start encountering the Chozo ghosts. Uh, you know, so I many- want to talk about that theme. Actually, I was going to mention I, there's two themes that I want to shout out that nobody ever talks about, and one of them is the Chozo ghost theme, and it's awesome. Like I love the Chozo ghost theme. It's just like oh shit, like like it's like it's time to fight. Let's let's go. And the second one, the same the same thing. 
is the Metroid Prime battle theme. God, that's that theme is so awesome. Like the it just is like sets you up with like the doof, doof, and it's like this big fight feel that it kind of builds up for a second. And then it, really it cranks does feel like in. A WWE match about oh, to start. It's so awesome. Like that I I love like the way that it starts off like the dude. It, oh, it's so good. I'm going to play that uh at the as the intro I, music I love, for next I week. I love both of those. I love both of those boss fight themes so much. Mm. Like they're they're so good. Yes. Oh. Mm. Yeah, that that theme is so awesome. And nobody ever talks about the Metroid Prime boss theme, but it's so awesome. The the second phase I think is in like my top five favorite all time Metroid tracks. I love it so much, and it reincorporates the the main six note met, uh, Metroid motif that appears in almost all the games. It's so subtle, but it's so cool. Yeah, um, so so but, good. So but like good. going going back to but going back to Chozo Ruins for a bit. Like what I love about it is like so many of the instruments just sound like all of the native wildlife that you that you encounter in the Chozo Ruins. You'll hear bird chirps, and it's so ambiguous as to whether or not that's the birds in the sky or whether mm. that's supposed to represent the cries of the chozo who no longer occupy the place um and then once um once you get the morph ball um you know you get like a shaker a hi-hat a kick drum and a snare and all of those instruments are rearranged so that they're in line with the meter and they start and all of a sudden all of these ambiguous uh sounds combine together to form melodies it's it's so cool what what is done with those cho- with those chosen ruins tracks i'm not going to go into too much more about that because the video goes way more in depth but like it's just it, it's one of my favorite things that this game does i love but easy five uh if we if and if we were going to break the scale i know i said this about the areas but it's probably in the music that if we were ever going to break the scale and, and throw it a six it would probably be this right like that's this soundtrack is, is an all-timer absolutely every track is awesome um and frankly our scores for this game were as awesome as i predicted that they might be so we've went through 10 categories um of the essential categories that make up a metroid game so world and atmosphere art style story pacing progression gameplay items and abilities the areas enemies and bosses expansions and power-ups and music and uh, we've came away with some pretty high scores here that i will now read so out of a possible 50 points I have awarded Metroid Prime 46, and you have awarded Metroid Prime 47. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Pretty good indeed. You um, know, maybe instead of giving the music a 6, maybe we can just give one of our other categories that we didn't give a 5 an extra point. Maybe maybe that's what we do instead. Uh, we're not that... You know, we don't need to do that, because the scores that we've given this game are are they those those are great scores and they can stand alone on these scores like we're talking like in the 90 out of 100 percent range here um as 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 is fitting because i think that this is one of the best games ever made and uh you know often when i'm thinking of my favorite metroid game i go back and forth between super and i go back and forth between prime uh and they're so they're both just so incredibly amazing in in different ways they're so similar but they're so different and i think that that's just like so incredible that this series has two two games that are like the the pillars and building blocks of the franchise like everyone knows i'm a big zelda guy but you can really look at zelda and be like ocarina of time is like the the pillar of that series and everything that came after was kind of built around it and like this series has two games like that where like all these games are built around these two games that came prior and just it's it's just an incredible achievement metro prime is one of my favorite games 
Um, and I and I'm I love talking about Metroid Prime. I'm not sure if I would agree about that on on Zelda because just because of Breath of the Wild, I feel like that's going to be a new pillar that sets a standard it could be. for Zelda moving forward. Yeah, it, it could obviously be. it's too early to tell, but like I have a feeling that it's going to be like. A new standard in its own right. But and if you want to listen a, to us discuss this, other. <laughs> this very topic we covered on the ZeldaCast last week, so you can check that out. Um, but yeah, Metroid Prime, Legendary, Eternal, Fantastic. What else can you say? And we're not done talking about Metroid Prime. Next week we are diving in deep with the bosses. We're going to have a special guest, so that's very fun. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to talking about like the bosses that we don't talk about a lot. Like We have all talked about the Ridley fight. We've talked about the uh, Metroid Prime fight. I'm really looking forward to talking about like Flagra or like the Mecha Hive or stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in. And we know already that you have some critiques about those fights. So uh, that's going to be... But I, st- I, I still think they're a good collection of bosses, though. All right. Not... All right. Well, it's it's going to be a good time. I can guarantee you that. I'm um, not going to be hating. <laughs> all right. Well, as long as there's no ones or twos, that's okay. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys for checking out the Omega Metroid podcast. We're hoping that you're enjoying this uh, retrospective on Metroid Prime. The train keeps going, and then we're switching over to Metroid Fusion and giving that game its time in the sun. So the hits are going to keep on coming, and then we're going to finish off the year strong by predicting what we think might happen for this series in 20. 20- 23 so that's going to be very fun um we want you guys to check us out over on twitter well you still can um at spateri 316 at Cross, and at omega metroid pod omega metroid.com has all your metroid needs guides news maps everything that you could possibly want and guess what now it has merch that's right you can grab some omega metroid swag you'll be the sharpest dressed guy in your block and I guarantee, uh, I've washed my shirt. I put it through the wash. Comes out fine. So I was, uh, you know, I, I quality test it. They look good. They they don't fall apart. So that's cool. That's available over on OmegaMetroid.com. Just click the link at the top. It'll take you to our Etsy store, and you can get whatever color you want for these Omega yeah, Metroid mine is, shirts. Mine is shipping right now, so I'm hoping hoping I can wear it next week. I was I, w- I went a little bit bold. I got a yellow Omega Metroid shirt. I don't own a single yellow shirt, but I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get yellow. I don't need another black shirt. I'm getting a yellow shirt. I'm going to wear that next week. I, I was boring. I, I went with a black shirt. So. I, I feel like I kind of want a black shirt too, though. Like now that I said, I might just order another. <laughs> uh, anyways, you can get your own shirt over on uh, OmegaMetro.com. We are going to get out of here. Make sure that you are liking, subscribing, reviewing, recommending, all that good stuff wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next week to talk to bosses of Metroid Prime. Until then, take care.